0: the go where am i to go Meet johnny where am i to go for i'm a young and a sailor lad and where am i to go
1: welcome to where am i to go podcast i am so grateful you have chosen to listen to me and to go on the travels and see the things and go to the museums that we have managed to go through for the last two seasons I have really enjoyed doing this podcast, and I hope you stick with me. It makes me happy to know that people are enjoying what I do. On another note, I want to make sure that everybody knows that we are on Facebook at Where Am I To Go Podcast. We have lots of pictures. We have places that we go that we don't do podcasts on. And we have lots of things to see and think about when you decide you're going to travel or if you're just interested in learning about different places that we go. Also, we have an email account at podcast at gmail.com. And if anybody has any comments, ideas, thoughts, you are more than welcome to email me there, and I will do my best to answer, and we'll see where everything goes this season. I've got some neat things lined up, and I hope everybody is ready to go for a museum tour ride. Today we are in Tucson, Arizona, and we are at a museum that I am excited as I'll get out to be at. I've been to this museum two times before because it is such an awesome museum and because it's just got so many cool things. It's the Safari Club International Wildlife Museum. Is that correct?
0: International Wildlife Museum. International (laughs) Wildlife
1: Museum. And and I am here with Amy, and Amy's going to be our tour guide through this remarkable place. And so let's get started. Okay, Amy, uh, tell us a little bit about your museum. All
0: right, so welcome to the International Wildlife Museum. Uh, We were established here in Tucson, Arizona in 1988, so 34 years now. This month, actually, we opened in February of 1988. Okay. Yeah, the building you saw walking in is, it looks like a castle.
1: It does look like a castle. We were remarking how beautiful the building is. Yeah,
0: so that's actually modeled after a French foreign legion, Um, that our founder, C.J. McElroy, visited while he was in Africa. So it's not technically a castle, but a French foreign legion there. Yeah, so it's a pretty cool architecture, though.
1: Okay, Yeah. and you guys are part of the Safari Club International, which is a hunting organization, correct? Correct. Okay, tell us a little bit about Safari Club International.
0: So they're like our parent organization, and they protect the freedom to hunt, basically.
1: Okay, and mostly trophy hunting or all hunting? or All
0: hunting, yep. Okay. Yeah, all across the world, and there's chapters and members all over the world.
1: Okay, and something that I guess we may touch on it on the way is uh, the monetary aspect of, of hunting and fishing and the way that it preserves wildlife mm-hmm. versus deters or, or harms wildlife. Right. And the preservation aspect, I know that we got a little bit of a, a room on that. Now, when we pulled in here, the admission price was really reasonable. Your your $10 admission uh, for normal adults, and they, there's discounts for kids and, and for seniors. But also, if you're Safari Club International member, it is... Free. Free! We like free. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll tell you, for $10, this museum is unbelievable. The amount of, I I can't even imagine the amount of money that you have in this museum with the taxidermied animals that we are going to go see and and some of that kind of stuff. So let's head on in.
0: All right. So the first room we're going to walk through is uh, the Theodore Roosevelt room. So we started off with this room because he was one of our forefathers of conservation. He's really one of the first people who started thinking that way during that time period and started thinking about setting aside land and wildlife for future use. Because before him, there weren't a lot of laws or anything regulating the take of wildlife, and so it was kind of like a free-for-all when everyone came over here from Europe. You know, when wildlife was owned by royalty over there, and you know, the common people couldn't hunt or anything, but when they came over to America, it was like, wow, this is all free for the taking. And so there's no thought to preserving it for the future. So Teddy Roosevelt was one of those people who kind of thought about that in a different way and started setting aside millions of acres of land during his presidency to preserve for the future.
1: Well, and he also started the national monuments, the national parks,
0: mm-hmm. and the a lot of those service.
1: types of things. He was also a very avid hunter. Right. And uh, another little story is Smokey the bear kind of came from, uh, from his. So actually
0: the teddy bear. The
1: teddy bear. Excuse yes. me, not Smokey.
0: Yeah. So teddy bear. Yeah. So he was out on a hunting trip um, with, a, with a party of people. And everyone in the hunting party got a bear, a black bear, and, except for the president. They didn't want him to fail. So they went out and found an old black bear, tied it to a tree, and said, here you go, shoot it. And he was like, "No, I'm not going to do that. It's not sportsmanlike. It's not ethical." And so toy companies got a hold of that story, you know, went to the news and everything, and they started making stuffed bears and calling them teddy bears.
1: Because they were cuddly.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, and as we walk into the the, the uh, Theodore Roosevelt room, you have different pictures of conservation, different pictures of things, but right in the middle is a great big rhinoceros, mm-hmm. full-mounted rhinoceros.
0: Yeah, so he is actually not one of Teddy Roosevelt's um, mounts or anything, but he used to be in our entrance area, right. actually, and then we remodeled, and so we needed somewhere to put him, and where can you put A full mount rhinoceros not many places so he fit in here and he fit with the teddy roosevelt theme though so this is where he went now we do have a rhino head in an upcoming room that teddy roosevelt did hunt oh really yes wow so we'll see that in later on in the tour
1: but what a remarkable way to start off your your tour of the museum with an animal this massive
0: right yes so okay so it's nice that you can get up close to these animals and you can see their actual size Right. Whereas, you know, if you go to a zoo or something, you can see them, but it's usually from a distance or they're hiding and sleeping and you don't see them at all.
1: Right. And you've got a, a zebra head mount and a little, uh, little deer from Africa and a buffalo. You've got a buffalo coming through the wall. Mm-hmm. The front legs are through and the head's through and also a black bear in this room. And then lots of different uh, posters and sayings and stuff by, by Teddy Roosevelt. This right. is really nice.
0: Yeah, so it kind of goes on a journey through his lifetime. So it's a time, timeline of his life and what he did for conservation and wildlife. And one of the cool things that you'll notice as we go through the museum is that some of the animals have barriers around them and right. some don't. And the ones that don't, we want you to touch. We want you to experience.
1: How so, cool is that? Yeah. So, you, so like we're coming into an area here where you have a, a javelina?
0: Close, wild Close. boar. A wild boar, <laughs> okay. A little bigger.
1: We, we've got a wild boar. It's just standing here out in the open, and, and I guess it's open for kids to pet and, and feel what a what a wild boar's hair feels like.
0: Exactly, and uh, the story we like to tell kids is that a long time ago, uh, when people didn't have toothbrushes, they actually used to use wild boar hair to make toothbrushes out Did of it. Did they really? Yes. Yes. So, okay, wow. of course, the kids are like, oh, that's gross. You know, but it's a great, don't remember that. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of bristly. So, okay, and then we have, uh, I'm, I'm going to misname these animals as we go through and I'm explaining them. You correct me. Okay. I have no problems being corrected on everything or anything I say that's, that's <laughs> right or wrong or whatever. But we're standing here looking at some leopards that uh, are full mounted on, uh, there's a a baby or a juvenile, it looks like, and a a full grown one. And they're standing on a log platform that's kind of overlooking as you come in here. And then you turn and look just to your right, and there's a lion on the charge, full mounted, ready to jump off the top of the wall and spring on you.
0: (laughs) Right, yeah. So this is kind of a cool entrance you come into. And right here, it kind of gives you an introduction of what SCI Foundation does. Uh, So that's another part of Safari Club International. Um, And this one's more dedicated to the conservation aspect of Safari Club and also the education part too.
1: Okay, explain those to us.
0: So uh, the foundation uh, raises a lot of money for conservation projects that it then distributes all over the world to universities or organizations doing this wildlife research to help further their conservation. Um, And then the education part, we're part of that education as the museum. And then they have other things like the American Wilderness Leadership School, uh, where they educate teachers so they can take that outdoor education back into their classroom and they teach them about hunting and what it actually means and they teach them archery and how to shoot and all these outdoor skills that they now can bring back to their classrooms and teach their kids
1: okay and you guys because of your members because of their love of hunting because of their love of wildlife i'm sure that you've got a lot of people that are just uh photo photographers and that type of stuff that belong to your organization also but you have a very wealthy uh, membership, I would say, to where there's a lot of money put in to conservation through the Safari Club International.
0: Right, right, yeah, because it does take a lot of money to go overseas and hunt you know, these right. species, it, it does take money. But um, also, if you don't conserve these species, you're not gonna have anything left to hunt. So right. that's kind of why it comes full circle.
1: Okay. And that's, I, I think that's important to remember. You have a lot of groups like PETA, and I'm not going to say anything bad or good or whatever, but they are all on Save the Animals, but they don't have the finances or the, or the funding to be able to do what you guys do on a worldwide basis with the conservation of animals and their habitat and everything else. There's a big difference between preserving an animal and just i don't know what the word really is running around with a sign saying don't wear skins
0: right right yeah and you know as sportsmen we actually conserve we use it wisely and they want to preserve which is to save everything um, but conservation means to use your resources wisely. So that's what, you know, hunters and fishermen want to do. They want to use it wisely, and they want it to be there for future generations, too. And they
1: want the populations to thrive.
0: Absolutely. In, in, yeah. a, in
1: a ecosystem that allows them to do that.
0: Right, right. And hunters, you know, believe it or not, they love the animals that they hunt. They really do. And it doesn't go to waste, and we can talk more about that later. Okay. But it's all used, and it's it's just a great part of human history is hunting
1: right okay and then we we come to a display where you've got several skeletons a snake skeleton a cat skeleton mink skeleton rat pigeon frog fish so that people can see what's on the inside as far as the skeletal makeup this is a really neat display
0: yeah and a lot of people think that snakes don't have bones and I ask them that question all the time and I get the majority of people saying, No, they don't have bones. But now you can clearly see that how many bones they actually have, and then compare the different sizes of bones throughout the animals, and then of course the giant elephant leg bone at the bottom.
1: Okay, and how many bones does a snake have? I I
0: you don't haven't know. Counted. Not they that didn't one. <laughs> assign you
1: to count the bones in the snake.
0: No. <laughs> it thank looks God. like about a thousand. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, and as we come into this gallery?
0: So on one side of this room, we have um, it dedicated to, to mammals and some characteristics that they have. So one of the things we talk about in this room are horns and antlers, and okay. which animals have horns, which ones have antlers, what's the difference? And then we have a huge display of horns and antlers that you are allowed to touch, because they okay. all look different.
1: And, and explain the difference between horns and antlers.
0: So antlers are made out of bone. And animals that have antlers are the deer family. So that's deer, moose, elk, caribou, and they are branched. So they kind of look like tree branches. If you look at their head, they're branched. So that's the easiest way to tell a horn from an antler. Antlers are branched, horns are not. Okay. So they're made out of bone and the animal sheds them every year and has to regrow a whole new set. Okay. So horns, animals that have horns are sheep and goats, bison, buffalo, antelope, and those are made out of keratin. So same stuff as our fingernails and hair. And those stay on the animal their whole life. They don't shed them like the antlers get shed. Okay. So a little bit, some of the differences right there, but one's they're both. Bone,
1: one's bone and one's basically a keratin hair type. Whatever right, product. right. Yes. And as we come into here, we see two full mounted mountain goats. We see a bighorn sheep, an uh, oryx, a pronghorn antelope, like what you see in Wyoming, Arizona, Nevada. We've got a moose. We've got several really nice deer. We've got a uh, uh, zebra and a warthog and a lynx. And a walrus and another bighorn sheep and a buffalo and a javelina, water, Cape buffalo. So these are all just, well, some of them are full mounts, but uh, a lot of head mounts showing the different animals with their horns. Now, what would you consider a tusk like on the, the walrus?
0: So the tusk is made out of ivory, right. kind of like an elephant tusk. So it's actually like a big tooth.
1: Okay, but so it's not really considered a horn, or right? A, it's, it's just uh, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And then you have a full mounted uh, porcupine over here that's all ruffled up.
0: Yeah, so we have an African porcupine and a North American on display next to each other. So you could tell the difference. Um, the African porcupine has actually over 30,000 quills on its body. Really? Yeah. And the quills are also made out of keratin, just like the horns.
1: Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I was not aware of that. They're also hollow, correct? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and then next to it, we have a a hippo skull. Oh, is that what that is? That hippo skull is actually over 100 years old. And so you can see the the giant teeth it has and everything. And even though they're herbivores, they have those flat molars in the back. You can see that the the teeth up front are used for protection and defense.
1: And I hear they're really dangerous animals.
0: They are, yeah. Yeah, one of the most dangerous in Africa.
1: And then this is the skull out of a killer whale. Wow, that thing's, it's, it's big. It's probably two foot across, three foot long has some pretty gnarly looking teeth. I thought it was actually a crocodile yeah. skull when I saw it, <laughs> but it's killer whale. Yeah. And then, and then you got an uh, armadillo.
0: And an armadillo, yeah, it's just showing the, you know, the variety of mammals in the world.
1: That and we really got some cool.
0: touchable artifacts, some hair and fur that you can guess what it is, skulls on the back so you can look at their teeth, see what they eat. And then our scat board, which is a favorite of kids because okay. you can go guess who left that behind <laughs> right right
1: i can get to be a poopologist <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then as we come on over here we see a, a bobcat in a, a best way to describe it would be like a 50 gallon aquarium but they've got a lot of mounts in here that are behind glass and in rooms that are glassed and they have different uh situation set up and this one happens to be a bobcat faced off with a rattlesnake and the rattlesnake's coiled ready to strike has his tail in the air and the bobcat's trying to figure out how to get dinner that night
0: right yes so this one we kind of use as an example of uh, before, which is underneath, you have the, the foam molds of the animal mounts and the pieces that go into making the taxidermy And mounts. this is for
1: taxidermy. Correct. and So she's talking about the taxidermy form.
0: And then above, like you just described, we have the finished mount. So in taxidermy nowadays, they mainly use these foam molds and they can carve them and shape them into whatever animal they need to mount. Then they take the real fur or the skin of the animal and stretch it around that piece of foam, sew it up, insert the plastic teeth and eyes and everything, paint around the face, make it look as lifelike as possible. And it looks like it can walk right out of the exhibit now. Oh, it
1: does. It looks very realistic. And I guess another little point to make with this is when you see a deer mount or you see a goat mount or bighorn sheep, The hunter that shot that more than likely took the meat home and ate it or uh, had a big barbecue with their friends or something, but that meat got used. The animal was not just killed for its horns and wasted.
0: Right, yeah, we don't support that at all. Um, We like the, the use of everything. And in different countries, if you're hunting overseas, that meat is then donated to the local villages and everything there, um, so that, and believe me, they leave nothing to waste there. Right. Yeah.
1: That is, I mean, that's an awesome part. You've got you've got a lot of money to go hunt these animals, but at the same time, there is not waste. The the animal is utilized.
0: Right, right. And I've I've heard from people that you know when somebody's got an elephant hunt or something going on, that. The people in the villages, they know, and they're lined up, ready to go and go skin down that elephant and take bowls of meat back.
1: with Right. Them. I've heard the same things. Okay, now we come on into the next room. It looks like we're in a bird room.
0: Yes, so this is our bird room. So we kind of showed you the features of mammals in the other room with the hair and the the teeth and the horns and antlers and everything. Now we talk about characteristics of birds. And then we have some examples. We have Harris hawks up here, which is a bird that's native to Tucson. Right. And they're kind of unique because usually birds of prey are solitary. Okay. These guys live in family groups. Oh, really? Yes. And they hunt in groups. And so that kind of, you know, gives them a better chance of survival when you're living as a family group.
1: Okay. And now I'm assuming that most of your birds of prey and that type of stuff are animals that have been hit on the road or because they're federally protected, you have to have gotten them from a game and fish supplier or something like that.
0: Right, right. And there's little things, details on the signs that will tell you where they came from and what agency they came from. So yes, correct. Okay.
1: And we have, as we walk into this room, we have a couple of uh, skeletons again with skulls, beaks uh just different showing you how the bird is made up as a a display right and then we have a full mounted ostrich running through uh wherever they live where do ostriches live i know that i I keep thinking uh australia but i know that's not correct
0: yeah africa
1: africa and so you got an african scene back there with a baby ostrich a couple of baby ostriches along with some ostrich eggs and and a full mounted ostrich in here it's not very often you get to see ostriches, <laughs> right? And then you've got a display of eggs.
0: Yes. Yeah, so these are all replica eggs. But just to show you the variety of eggs, their colors, their sizes. So number one, you can see is the tiniest one there up oh, on wow. the little shelf. Yep, yep, That's the hummingbird egg. Wow. And then the biggest one we have displayed in here is from an extinct bird called the elephant bird. So okay. that is extinct. But so now a day, as you can see the ostrich egg is right next to it.
1: Do you so, know when the elephant bird
0: uh, disappeared about 500 to 700 years ago?
1: So it's fairly recent.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Okay. And how, and what was its size in comparison to like the ostrich?
0: Uh, it weighed about half a ton and stood Are over you serious? 10 feet tall.
1: That's like a horse.
0: Yeah, Wow. So that's a big bird.
1: Okay. And were they flightless?
0: yes i believe they were you can see kind of a picture i know right i know I'm, yeah. I'm really
1: pushing pushing the limits here and, and, and asking questions If you don't i know believe an a answer,
0: bird that size would probably be pointless. i was going to say about
1: the time you saw a horse fly over <laughs> right. you'd be kind of sh- scared that it might lose its balance right and then you've got this other display that has a whole bunch of i wish i was up on my birds you've got jays and woodpeckers and owls and grouse yeah, and just a whole bunch of little birds. Actually, this would be kind of a bird watchers uh, haven here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got lots of different kinds of ducks mounted up on the wall. Uh, what is this guy over here? That one is
0: a sandhill crane. Okay. And then that exhibit that you were just talking about is coniferous forest birds. Then you move into rainforest birds over here, okay. um, which Kind of leads you to this cabinet over here that's the Victorian style curiosity cabinet. So back during that era they used to just get mounts of animals that were interesting looking odd looking and put them in a case together. Nowadays museums are more focused on what birds actually live together, you know put them in the habitat and make it more realistic.
1: Okay, and the late 1800s were really rough on birds, if, if I have my history correct. Right. Uh, the feathers were prized to put in hats and all kinds of things. And there were several birds that were hunted to basically extinction or maybe even into extinction right? because of the desire to have a feather in your hat.
0: Right, right. And then these birds, a lot of those feathers oh, came wow. from the birds of paradise here. And these are all from New Guinea. In this case, you're gonna see about, I don't know what's in here, a dozen birds um, with really crazy feathers, colorful feathers. And these birds in this case are actually over 100 years old. So their their feathers have faded over time. Oh, really? So in the wild, they are really bright and iridescent. And they use them to do all these dances to impress the females and everything. They hang upside down from trees. Um, but all of these are still alive in the wild today. But the feathers from the hats that you were talking about, a lot of them came from the birds of paradise.
1: Okay. And these birds have wild, wild feathers. Like she said, they're sticking up all over the place, almost like a bad hair day. Exactly. Okay.
0: So as we move into the next room, this is all about predators and prey. And we kind of talk to people about the characteristics of predators and the characteristics of prey. Okay. So predators, you know, they're going to have their eyes in front. You say eyes in front likes to hunt, okay? and that gives them ability to see long distance.
1: Okay. Good depth
0: perception. Whereas prey animals like the antelope, you see the eyes are on the side of their head, so that gives them a wide field of vision which allows them to watch out almost all the way around them for any of those predators trying to get them.
1: Okay, and an easy an easy explanation there is look at your dog and look at your cat. Their eyes face straight, well, look at us. Mm-hmm. Our eyes face straight forward, whereas if you look at a cow or a horse or a mouse or any of those types of animals, their, their eyes are mounted way on the side of their head, just about underneath their ears almost, or, or just barely in front of their ears to where they're looking off to the side instead of straight ahead.
0: Right, right.
1: And, and then you have situations like the antelope that has seven power eyesight. So they can see seven times what we can see. And so for a predator to be able to get those, they have to be pretty stealthy. Right. Are there a lot of other animals that have eyesight like the antelope or?
0: The,
1: uh, nah, that are, that are more the on the prey side?
0: Yeah. Um, I didn't think off the top of my head. I'm sure they all have pretty good vision and everything, right. but yeah you really have to be sneaky to, to catch the antelope. And like you said, real still, because any form of movement, they will see that and then just be gone. And they are the fastest mammal in North America. right? So they'll run about 60 miles an hour for short bursts. And,
1: okay, yeah. and, and, and in here, as we walk in, we see an antelope, a very nice antelope. The horns are, he, he's trophy, <laughs> uh, it, with a mountain lion. Sneaking up on him again. This is full mounted. We have two coyotes that are looking into a log pile Looking for some sort of prey. We've got an ostrich uh, With a hyena stealing one of its eggs uh, We've got uh, Are those honey badgers? Honey badgers. Honey yeah. badgers. We got two honey badgers <laughs> taking on a snake And I'm assuming that's a poisonous snake because they go after the poisonous ones, right? Right,
0: the cobra, yeah,
1: that's a cobra. A cobra hanging in the tree. Then we come on over, we've got, and I don't know my spots. One of them (laughs) is going to be a leopard and the other one is going to be a cheetah.
0: (laughs) Both leopards in this case.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And one leopard is carrying a deer that is dead. It's a small deer. And the head's drooped down. I mean, very realistic scene. He's walking out across the branch. And another one has a leopard that's after a monkey of some sorts. What kind of monkey? A baboon. A baboon, see? Okay, I'm really showing my true, my true ignorance here. I'm, I'm skilled at this. And then on the other side, we have a bobcat that's fully stretched out, like he's reaching to the sun with one leg on a rock, grabbing a quail. And another uh, one here has a gray wolf uh, looking at a squirrel in a tree. He's laying down on a rock, and the squirrel's up in the tree. And then we have some other wolves that are taking down a caribou, which would probably be an Alaskan scene. You've got three wolves with a caribou about three-quarters of the way down. One wolf's got a hold of a back leg. The other wolf is jumping up on top, and the third wolf has a bite on the neck. And these are all full-mounted, actual-sized animals that are in these different scenarios And you can see this, uh, and and it's just like you're there.
0: Right, yeah, and then the murals in the background really help too.
1: Right, yes. They've got the the Alaskan mountain scene in the background. You've got a herd of caribou in the scene. You've got a a hawk or an eagle flying, uh, all snow-covered, and very impressive. I I just love the way that this museum uh, has their displays, and it's in such a realistic form. Okay.
0: All right. So I don't know if this was here last time you visited. I don't know if
1: it was either.
0: But this is one of the world's largest jigsaw puzzles. And oh, really? it is thirty three thousand six hundred pieces. And it's a kind of a mural of different animals, a lot of African animals in kind of a rainforest scene. Um, but we had a guy come in and that just loves to do puzzles. You have to he had this puzzle that he wanted to donate to us. So he put it together in about seven sections, glued those sections together, drove it all the way down here from Northern California. Oh, wow! And we mounted it on a large backboard. I think this one's about 19 feet long.
1: I was going to guess 20 and, and four foot wide. Yeah. And
0: wow. so we did that and, Then we took about 10 people to get it up on the wall and nailed into the wall. But you don't know it's a puzzle just standing by back here looking at it. It looks like a mural, but when you get up close, you can see how tiny the pieces are.
1: Wow, and it's got gorillas and orangutans and water buffalo and birds of every kind, flamingos and zebras and cheetahs and maybe even some leopards, since I don't know the difference between the two, and giraffes, and all kinds of birds in the trees. I can't, I'm not a puzzle person. When it says three to eight years on the back, that's how long I think it's supposed to take to build it. Uh, I can't even imagine. A pe- how many pieces did you say were in this? This one is
0: 33,600, and it took him five months to put together. Yeah, this
1: one here, would have to say on the back 50 to 70 years before I'd ever get it done and then it's it's mounted on the back wall but this room is just impressive you got some puzzles for kids to do Mm -hmm. uh, that are smaller they're they're like uh 50 piece puzzles and i'm sure they could do them in a semi short amount of time but you've got this butterfly display over here that has some really cool looking butterflies you've got a tiger that's all springing and ready to, to pounce on you there's a hippopotamus shoulder mount along with an uh what's that thing called a lechwe uh-huh. okay i got that a lechwe and an oryx and a wildebeest and a kudu they're all shoulder mounted but then you've got a spotted deer underneath that's a really nice looking deer uh, that's full mounted you've got a full mounted lion you've got a full mounted leopard and a cheetah. Is that a cheetah? Close. I got to see a cheetah. Come on, a we'll jaguar. See. Okay, it's yeah. a jaguar. I'm going to get my cheetah here someplace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then another really nice butterfly display with what? Probably 15, 20 big butterflies in all different colors. You've got blues and, and kind of opalescent and turquoise, and browns, and then beetles. Holy smokes. Look at the size of those beetles. These are a Goliath beetle and a Hercules beetle and a little little sunbird. Now, is the sunbird like a hummingbird?
0: Kind of, it looks that way, but a little bit different beak and everything. Um, but then next to it, we have a pangolin.
1: I'm glad you said that because I was looking <laughs> at it, trying to figure out how to pronounce that word.
0: Which is like a scaly anteater from Africa.
1: And it's, a, it's fairly small. It's about the size of um, maybe a chihuahua or something. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> And, and they, then
0: these guys up here the morpho butterflies they're really cool cuz they're called the ghosts of the rainforest. Okay. And in South America so you're if the butterflies flying through the rainforest you'll see the bright iridescent blue and purple colors and then when they land they close their wings and they're brown on the backside. So when they're flying you see them and when they land you don't.
1: They look like a leaf or right, something. Right.
0: Right. They blend wow. right in which these are excellent examples of camouflage too which are some giant insects from the jungles of Malaysia we have a giant stick bug and a leaf bug so they're actually mimicking other things to blend in
1: and when she talks about this giant uh stick bug it's probably 12 inches long and uh there's another uh praying mantis type looking bug that's what four and a half inches long and the leaf bug looks like a a big leaf off of a cottonwood tree or something and then you've got this other little critter down here that's full mounted it's called a loris and boy it's got some big eyes
0: yeah so he's definitely has good night vision
1: (laughs) yeah he's he's a small animal it'd be like uh like a kitten almost it's not much bigger than a kitten right but uh, good
0: tree climber night vision
1: and you can get right up next to all of these they're in a glass a lot of these are in a glass case or behind a. Uh, barrier but you can get uh, within two feet of these leopards or even the the little loris or any of those because they're just right there right and then we've got a giant panda that's in a case with a bunch of bamboo again full mounted so you can see the actual size
0: right that's another one of our animals that's over a hundred years old oh really yes
1: Wow and were most of these animals donated to you or?
0: Yes. So they were all donated already taxidermied. So nothing was killed to put in the museum. Okay. So they have to be donated like this and then they fit them into the exhibits or built the exhibits around what the animal is doing.
1: Okay. That sounds good. So
0: many of our animals are between 30 to over 100 years old. Okay. So the taxidermy lasts a really long time.
1: It does. And it looks fantastic. And then we've got uh, uh, three bison in here. We've got uh, two full-mounted big bison, a calf bison, and then they've got the skull with the horns on a prehistoric bison, which is extinct. But uh, I would assume that it would look like about a 2,000-pound or 3,000-pound longhorn steer.
0: Right, that's what it looks like, yes. It, it, how, it, how big were they? I don't know how much they weighed. I'm going to have to look at the sign sheet here. I don't even know if it says...
1: I'm pretty sure that it, that they must have been a whole lot bigger than what we're used to seeing as bison, just because everything was bigger back then.
0: Right, and this was kind of during the Ice Age, and of course everything, you're right, was bigger back then.
1: But that's a, that's a huge skull. Yeah. Wow. And where did you get that? Do you know? That's
0: actually a replica. Oh, okay. So that was that was made. But I will show you a a real fossilized giant deer skull coming up in a couple rooms. Okay. Yeah.
1: And then we've got a full mounted bighorn sheep. We've got a pronghorn and a turkey. Now these here are all, I guess just about everything in this area right here is all uh, uh, North American animals. Right, right. And, wow. And then we turn the corner (laughs) and we see fish. You've got a really nice aquarium over here.
0: Yeah, so this we added probably, I think it was 2019, we added this aquarium. And um, so we focus on talking about coral reefs in this area and conservation of them. And then all the corals in the aquarium are live corals as well. Yes.
1: And then you've got lots of fish and, and everything else in here. These aquariums take a lot of maintenance, don't they?
0: They do. Yes. Yeah. So daily maintenance, you know, cleaning the glass, just making sure the sand is okay um, adding the water purifying the water and then we have a service come in monthly too that does a real deep cleaning on it oh really so yeah it is a lot of work
1: huh it's beautiful it's it, it, you've got waves going through there somehow or currents going through there right because all of the uh, sea anemones and and sea plants are all waving in the in the water much like what you'd see a tree in the wind
0: right. And it's you just... the more you you know, you just stay still and you look at it, more fish start coming out of the rocks. Oh really? Just like in nature, they're a lot they're pretty shy and they don't want to, you know, be exposed too long. But if you stay still, you'll see other ones start to come out. There's one okay. called a big eyed squirrel fish in there. I don't know if you can see him.
1: He's oh, in that yeah. little pocket. Yep, He's yep. got a
0: really big eye.
1: Yep
0: and then we have burrowing fish that you kind of see how the sand is pushed up in the middle right. they're creating tunnels and little homes under there and they actually look like eels they're called engineer gobies so okay. the more you just kind of sit and watch the more you see
1: i think that's kind of the case with everything you can sit over a meadow or a canyon if you just sit there and be quiet all of a sudden you'll start seeing birds and maybe a deer will come out right. or you know it's it's just really a lot of fun sometimes to just sit and observe right and then you've got a, a quite a quite a well i guess you've got two sailfish and uh dolphin that are mounted on the wall here in the in the underwater conservation area
0: right and you're standing under a, a hammerhead shark oh there we go <laughs> i didn't look
1: up dang i almost got eight <laughs> okay yeah and then, We come on over, and we got a rhinoceros that uh, is made out of buttons.
0: Yeah, so this is a pretty cool art piece that a local Tucson artist did for us, and she uses recycled materials to build the, the body form. Okay. So the inside of the body is made from, like, water jugs, juice containers, and she just cuts them up and forms them all together. Really? Yeah, and then she sews buttons together to cover it. So... He's covered in, I think, over 12,000 buttons. And it took her about six months to make this one.
1: Now, did she get to meet the guy that did the (laughs) 33,000-piece puzzle? They
0: should get together. (laughs) (laughs) They both have way more patience than I would ever have.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and this thing probably stands two foot tall and is about four foot long. Uh, Looks like a rhinoceros, but it's made out of buttons. How cool is that? Okay, and then we've got above it, we have uh, rhinoceros. Uh, you've got, what, three different uh, types of rhinoceroses along with a couple of skulls?
0: Right. So we have the white rhino, and this is actually Teddy Roosevelt's rhino from oh, really? 1908 Boy, or looks, nine. Boy, it and still
1: looks like it's in perfect shape.
0: Yeah, so that's a white rhino. The middle one is a black rhino, and the last one's an Indian rhino. So you'll see that the white rhino has a big, wide, flat mouth. Okay. Now, that's actually how they got their name, White Rhino, because the African's word for wide,
1: W-I-D-E,
0: is white, W-E-I-T. So people confuse that as saying white, like the color. So that's how he got the name, White Rhino. Not necessarily, because they're not white, obviously.
1: And they're in the southern part of Africa for the most part? Right. Okay, and then your black rhinoceros covers a lot, I guess, a lot of the same territories. Yes. All well, except a lot whiter territory. And what's specific about the black rhino? Just more, a darker color?
0: Yeah, and I don't know if it was named in just to um, distinguish it from the right white rhino, you know, to call it a black rhino. I'm not really sure, but the horns you can see are a s- lot different. I
1: was going to say the horns are really long on, on the black rhino along with a a secondary horn that's back more towards the ears it's just about as long as the front one whereas the white rhinos is just a a short little horn behind and And then you've got the indian rhino that just has a single horn
0: right right and then the indian and the black rhino both have the pointy lip so those guys are browsers they grab leaves off of like a horse yeah well yeah like more like a a giraffe with its tongue you know or um, a deer but, and the white rhino has a big wide flat mouth. So that's a grazer like a cow okay. eating grass off the ground.
1: Okay. Wow. I didn't know there was three different kinds of rhinos. Yeah,
0: oh, and actually then we turn five. around we, we we turn
1: around and we're shocked again. There's an African scene with a with a uh secretary bird secretary bird i guess he's keeping track of things and writing it all down. yeah
0: so they get their name because their feathers in the back of their head kind of look like pencils or pens that a secretary would stick in her hair or behind her ear
1: okay and then we've got two more full-sized uh uh, full-mounted rhinoceroses standing in here and they are the white rhino i can tell by their lips i'm I'm learning there you go (laughs) (laughs) and then a couple of uh Warthogs? Bush pigs. Bush, okay, bush pigs. So um, yeah,
0: they're a little bit different with their, you'll see in the next room a warthog and a bush pig next to each other, javelina. So okay. kind of a similar, not that is a pig, but
1: And then on, on this other side, we've got golden takens. Tell me about those.
0: So these are kind of, they're called a goat antelope cause it's kind of like a, a mixture of the two animals. And they are from, india and asia um the himalayas around there
1: okay and there's two full mounted ones on rocks uh really cool looking animals really kind of a a golden color Mm -hmm. it's it's, their hair is very golden right okay
0: so holy
1: smokes look at this room wow what don't you have that's (laughs) mounted in here right i know We come on in, you see, as you walk in, you see a wolf fighting with a a caribou. Uh, The caribou's got his horns down and and is trying to defend itself from the wolf. But as we get in here, there is, I'm going to just take a wild guess, 300, 500, 500 maybe? uh, Different mounts. This room is a a big room. It's it's, uh, 50 by 50 maybe, 40 by 40, something like that. They've got full mounted moose. They've got uh, head mounted, they've got full mounted moose. Head mounts, they've got grizzly bear, polar bear, uh, full mounted, they've got a full mounted tiger. They got a couple more uh, grizzly bears, a lion chasing a gazelle, a full mounted uh, uh, tiger, just a full mounted giraffe. How do you, and a, and a head mount of, uh, two full mounted giraffes and a head mount of an elephant. I, I my every time I turn around I'm seeing something else that's just so cool the whole back wall is is bighorn or sheep of some sort they're sheep of the world
0: sheep and goats yep okay yeah so we kind of have this room organized so you can oh good yeah so I wall... just skipped
1: all over the place in a totally unorganized fashion
0: <laughs> that's okay we'll bring you back <laughs> so this wall is all members of the deer family So that's the deer, the moose, the elk, the caribou, and those are the ones that all have antlers on their head.
1: Okay, and you've got mule deer, you've got black-tailed deer, you've got white-tailed deer, uh, cows deer, is that right? Coos deer. Coos, okay. Northwestern white tail You've got all of these with the horns so you can tell the difference and what they look like. Yeah, so it's
0: nice to be able to compare them all in the same family, see what the differences are, see how they're the same. And then right in the middle is the giant deer, which lived during the ice age. And that is actually the real fossilized skull and antlers of that really? animal. Yes. And is that what
1: they call the Irish uh, elk? Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. And we're gonna, we're gonna see another one of those. We're gonna see another one of those. That's one of that. my absolute favorite uh, <laughs> mounts here. Yeah. But that, yeah, the giant deer or Irish elk is just an amazing animal. You have to look it up on Google just to get an idea and then come here and, and get the full, the full spectrum yeah
0: yeah it's huge the antlers weigh about 90 pounds really yeah
1: okay and then you've got moose up above the deer and a nice collection of moose there's what seven or eight different moose and they're all and they're all different moose yeah so they're a little bit
0: different subspecies
1: you've got some from europe i guess and uh
0: canada and Alaska. alaska yeah wyoming
1: wow And then we come on over to the caribou section. Am I right?
0: Yes. So you got several species or subspecies of caribou there. And they're pretty cool because they have some unique looking antlers as well. And they have that middle coming down right in the middle of their forehead. That one's actually called a shovel. Okay. Um, And then both the males and females will have antlers and that's unique most deer it's only the males who have the antlers but in caribou females will grow smaller antlers too but during different times of the year so
1: explain that (laughs) (laughs) i don't know (laughs) like the males grow them in the winter and the females grow them in the summer
0: yeah so you can tell which one is which by the time you know they have their antlers at different times but why i'm not really sure
1: i had no clue Okay, and then you've got a lot of uh, different deer again, the fallow deer and the Scottish red deer and, and several others now. Are those deer separated from the others because they're...
0: These ones are a lot from Europe. Okay. So, and then the other ones are from North America.
1: Okay. And then we come... Th- this is an interesting looking deer. It's a, it's a Pierre David's deer.
0: Yeah, his antlers are interesting, huh? They
1: really are. He almost looks like a cross between an elk and a deer somehow or right another. yeah and then we get into the bears if you ever wanted to know what a bear looked like here's the place We've yes got the...
0: we got black bears we got grizzly we got polar and then over on the other side we have some more brown bears and a, even a sloth bear down there
1: okay and this this one bear in here it says it's a black bear but he's got a really interesting gray color. So black bears aren't always black?
0: They're not. So they can come in lots of different shades from that gray color to blonde to cinnamon, which is kind of a reddish tone of bear. So yeah, they're not always black.
1: And watch out for the gator on the floor.
0: Yeah, people have walked into him before. <laughs> have they
1: really? I guess you would. You're so busy looking at everything on the walls that you don't see the 14-foot the alligator right, on the floor. He kind of
0: blends <laughs> in. But kids love to stick their head in his mouth and get a good picture. And so he's a really cool interactive animal. And he's been here since the museum opened. So
1: And you can touch. Absolutely. I guess you can if you can stick your head in there. Right. <laughs> okay, and then we get into the cats. So You've here's got- your cheetah. Oh, the cheetah. Oh, I'm happy to see him finally. (laughs) (laughs) The spots are different. I know that the spots are different. I'm just not sure how they're different.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we got all our spotted cats here. We have our jaguar. And if you look in spots, you can see that they kind of have a dot in the center of them. Uh Uh-huh. And then the cheetahs are um, solid. Okay. Okay. Then we got our snow leopard, who's kind of got larger rosette spots is what they're called and they're more spaced. Um, And then over here is the leopard. So the leopard looks very similar to the jaguars, but they don't have the spot in the center.
1: Okay. Okay. And then you've got a Bengal tiger.
0: Right. And this guy was actually a man-eating tiger.
1: Oh, that one ate somebody.
0: He ate 8-12 to people.
1: Oh, really? Yes.
0: So in India in the 1960s, They um, were able to track him down and kill him because he ate between 8 and 12 people. And tigers, once they get older, um, you know, people are a lot easier to hunt than prey. We're a lot slower. And so they'll turn to eating people. But in India now, they have discovered that if you wear a mask on the back of your head, like a a full mask, Right. and then you have your face on the front. So tigers don't like to attack from the front. So if you have a face in front and a face in back, they're less likely to attack you. So they found that out.
1: Really? Yeah. And I guess since he came from India, we have to believe in karma. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And then you have all of your bighorn sheep, uh, it looks like from several different places around the world, along with some mountain goats. just right. really impressive they're all full mounted up there standing on rocks and yeah, that's, so that's those... way more than the grand slam right that's a, that's a great grand slam or something
0: <laughs> right yeah so those are all from north america europe and asia
1: and lots of different horn styles you've got straight type horns you've got curved horns uh just beautiful animals
0: So that's the one of the ways you tell a sheep from a goat is to look at the horns. Okay. So if it has curly horns that curl around back towards its eyes, it's a sheep. If they have horns that go backwards, then it's a goat.
1: Okay. And a nice selection of both. Okay, And then we get into the African section, I'm assuming. Yes.
0: So these are all antelope, mainly from Africa. There's just a couple in here that aren't. But um, so they all have horns on their head. Horns are made out of keratin again and they're not branched. They stay on the animal their whole life. So you can just kind of glance at the different sizes from the biggest antelope, which is the eland up there.
1: And how much do those things weigh? I don't know how much. I'm guessing over a thousand pounds. That yeah, thing looks, it, it looks bigger huge. than a horse.
0: Yeah. And then down to the tiniest one right here, the royal antelope.
1: Which looks like a Chihuahua again, Right It's, it's Even really smaller small. with yeah. the skinny
0: legs. It's,
1: it's really small body, really skinny legs. They look like you could break them really easy.
0: Yes. yeah, so all different types.
1: This is amazing. how many different and most and, and all of these are pretty much African that we're looking at? Yes Wow. And are most of them still alive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. okay. yeah. And there's, there's such a variety here of color, of style, of horn si- uh, sizes, uh, body sizes. This is just an amazing display. And then you got the wildebeest. Boy, they're kind of ugly looking, yeah, aren't they? Yeah,
0: but they're kind of fun. They kind of have that, I call it a nose mohawk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. And now, are we still, we're still in Africa here with this whole wall. Yes. 40 feet of African... Antelope and and deer, or are all these just antelope?
0: These are all antelope.
1: Everything's antelope.
0: Right, so there's no deer in Africa. It's just antelope.
1: How many different varieties are there? There's There's gotta be like 200.
0: Yeah, yeah, there is a lot.
1: Wow, this is just amazing. Okay, and then we have, over here, we have our water buffalo. We have our American buffalo and then uh, water buffalo and two full mounted giraffes. One of them you can walk underneath just to get an idea of how high the belly is.
0: Right, so kids love that one.
1: Oh, bet they do. Yeah. But most of them probably can't touch the belly. Right. (laughs) And then you've got another scene here with the African painting in the background. You've got two zebras, a couple of antelope, and a warthog am i am i right there okay we got a warthog and they're all at a water hole you can see in the painting behind elephants and giraffes and some more antelope and a water buffalo in the in the background and an african elephant that is right (laughs) over the top of it with tusks that are probably what eight ten foot long
0: yeah this is a big guy especially when you stand right underneath him i mean that's full size
1: and it's and it's just a head mount but you've got the big ears you got the tusks those tusks are huge almost as long as his as his trunk yeah just amazing okay and then we come on over here and we've got another one of your silhouettes in a in a jungle with three full mounted uh help me
0: bongos bongos oh yes yes (laughs) these are
1: bongos (laughs) i knew that
0: (laughs) so this is the these are the largest forest antelope in africa you can see they live in the rainforest and i hear they're one of the hardest to hunt because they're in the thick rainforest and they're really spooked easily um and then you got a tiny one down here
1: right and they're in a they're in a bamboo forest Mm -hmm. and they are Brown with white stripes kind of coming all the way around them like somebody took zip ties and wrapped around them and uh, around their brown hair. Uh, really kind of a neat looking animal. And they're about the size of a normal cow, I'd mm-hmm. say. Yeah. You know, just that so you see out in the fields. Okay, then we come on over here to this display and we have all kinds of different skulls from lots of different animals. We've got the spotted hyena, we've got a tiger, We've got a kit fox, a gray fox, a hognose skunk, uh a grizzly bear, European brown bear, so you can see all the different uh skulls and what those skulls look like. But tell me about this sickle knife and, and this belt with all the little cones on it.
0: Yeah, so these are just artifacts that were donated to CJ McElroy, our founder, as he traveled throughout Africa. Um, And then some of the the knives and things in this case and the other case by the door, they were recently donated to us um, by somebody else who was just a collector of them. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: So this is just a a collection. Right. How cool is that? Okay. Now, is this the way out? No, we're gonna go out this way. Okay, okay. We're gonna go look at some more stuff.
0: So this giraffe actually has a kind of a cool conservation story behind it. Um, So he is the top male in his herd over in Africa. And they realized the herd was not growing. And so they were able to find out that he was actually sterile. Okay. But he wasn't letting any of the other smaller males breed either. So they made the decision that they had to take this one out of the herd in order to allow the herd to grow conservation conservation so this one was hunted over there in africa and um brought over here in 2013 we got this one. okay
1: and he's a big boy he is wow you have no idea i mean the the thing that's so cool about this is you see these animals on on wildlife uh programs that on tv or whatever you have no comprehension of what a polar bear looks like in comparison to you, until you're standing in front of the thing five feet away, uh, or, or, or the giraffe, or the elephant. I mean, the, the size of some of these animals is just phenomenal. Or even, you know, I mean, everybody loves the little panda bear. <laughs> and, right. you know, everybody wants to, thinks that they're cuddly and cute and all that, but they don't really have any idea of actual size until you come to a place like this where you can be up close and personal not looking at them 75 feet away in a zoo
0: right exactly
1: okay and here we've got a couple more of your uh dioramas that have uh you've got one of your african antelope being attacked by two hyenas mm-hmm. and here again we've, we've got the prey hunter uh, aspect going it's 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 a part of nature right
0: right this is what happens out there in the wild. And hyenas are actually predators more of the time than they're actually scavengers. So a lot of people think, you know, they're always stealing prey from lions and everything, which they do, but about 70% of the time they actually kill their own prey. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. And they don't put anything to waste either. They can digest bone, horns, hooves, everything. Really? So they have the strongest stomach acid of any land animal. So they can eat whatever.
1: Wow, I was not aware of that.
0: They also have super strong jaws in order to, to break, break through that those. Stuff. Right.
1: Huh, And then we turn around the other side and we see uh, mountain range. I'm assuming this is on the uh, west coast someplace because yep. that's where the black-tailed deer kind of like to live. Yeah, and you've Alaska. got a black deer, uh, uh, a buck, a doe, and a, a fawn it looks like, uh, not in spots but but smaller deer. And they've got the background of the trees and the mountains and the ocean behind them. Right. And then we come into this room. (laughs) I love this room. In the middle of this room, we have a mountain that's what? 50, 60 foot high?
0: 32 feet only. Is that all? Yeah.
1: How come it looks so much bigger? I don't know. And it's it's got sheep. And goats, uh, full mounted all the way around it. It's, it, it's got, how many, how many sheep and goats are on here?
0: There's gotta be about 24, something like that.
1: And it's, it's all rocky. There's, they've got a, a quail up there. They've got other birds and animals. But as you walk around this thing, you can see the full mounted sheep and goats that are on the rocks, on ledges, uh, looking down at you. It's just a fantastic piece. And then all the way around this room again you have the the little dioramas with the animals in it we come to this one and you've got water buffalo and botswana that are standing at a water hole along with some guinea hens and uh, some other birds all full mounted again with with the horns and everything that you can see we get to this one you've got one of your real small deer the dharma Dick Dicks, and they're, I don't know, they're like a small dog. Yeah. I'd I'd say bigger than a Chihuahua. They're kind of tall, really spindly legs.
0: Mm Mm-hmm, right.
1: And you can see those. And then we've got crocodiles.
0: A crocodile and an alligator.
1: Okay. Right
0: next to each other, so you can kind of compare the two. And you can see that the crocodile has a much pointier snout than the alligator, who has a rounder snout. And crocodiles, when their mouths are closed, they will have both bottom teeth and top teeth sticking out. Whereas alligators will just have top teeth sticking out. So that's the true way to tell when their mouths are closed. Um, Crocodiles will get a lot bigger than alligators as well.
1: Okay. And which ones do we have here, like in Florida?
0: So we have the American alligator in Florida. We also have an endangered species called the American crocodile. And Florida is the only place in the world where alligators and crocodiles exist together. Wow. Otherwise you'll find crocodiles in Africa and Australia.
1: Do they ever interbreed and you end up with a crocogator?
0: Maybe. <laughs> Sounds like the next horror movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we're, we're still walking around looking at, uh, at some of these sheep. Now these sheep are from all over the world. Yeah, Yeah. so
0: North America, Europe, and Asia are where the sheep are from, and the goats as well. Okay. So the goats are more at the top because they do live at higher elevations than the sheep do. So you'll find most of the sheep around the bottom.
1: Okay, and then we've got a full mounted mountain uh, uh, goat. Right. Right. And this, this is a juvenile, right?
0: So, this one is a full sized one. They can get bigger than that, though. Okay. Because you saw our other ones. Right, that are I bigger. was thinking that this There's one. There's one up there, too. Right. Yeah. So, he's kind of a little guy.
1: But he's out here to be petted.
0: Yes, yes.
1: So, you can tell what their fur feels like. You got penguins.
0: We got penguins.
1: <laughs> okay. We've got a, uh, another one of these dioramas that has the, all the icebergs and everything floating around and you've got five penguins in here. Now, are they all different breeds?
0: So we have the emperor, which is the biggest one right there. You have the chinstrap, which is this guy who has that little black okay. line and then the Adelie penguins in the back. So three different species in here. Then you can look into the water, and it's kind of hard to see, but you have some squid down in there. Okay. So I like the little details that you find hidden, you know, like that make it more realistic. And, and then you see something new every time you visit, too, because you're like, right. oh, I didn't notice that last time.
1: And then you've got your, your uh, lynx. Are these? No, they're caracals. caracals. Okay. I was looking at the pointed pointed ears. Yeah, yeah. and are the caracals uh, North America or where do they? Those are
0: African. Those are
1: African, okay. And
0: they are the best jumping of the small cats, so they can actually jump 10 feet straight in the air. Really? Yes. And then you got your hornbills in there as well, so an African bird.
1: They better learn how to fly high and fast. (laughs) Wow. And then we have our, I'm going to mess this one here up too. (laughs) Nunavak, Yep. I got it right? Yeah. Wow. Amazing what Phonics did for me in school. <laughs> uh, these, these are like a water buffalo that live in the north.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so these are muskox.
1: Oh, okay. and But similar. Well, why didn't we just say the easy name?
0: <laughs> it's more fun that way.
1: Oh, I see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you can see how thick their fur is. You can actually feel how thick their fur is because we have one.
1: This full mounted right. for kids to touch. Right. And if adults want to touch it, you guys have, can do it too. Yes. right.
0: So they have super thick fur because they live at the, the Arctic Circle up there. Um, and they're super protective of their babies. So if a predator, like a wolf or a bear were to come along, they put all the babies in the middle and the adults circle around them, okay. their horns facing outwards, kind of making a wall around the, the babies.
1: Okay. And in this one, you've got a little uh, bird, it's a uh, Parmigan, Ptarmigan, Ptarmigan, Tarmigan, yes. And then you've got a white fox. Mm-hmm,
0: the Arctic fox, and then we have another one in this exhibit with the Arctic hare. Okay. Because they both change their colors during the different seasons of the year, so you know, during the winter, they're white to blend in. And you can see the hair in here is starting to molt out his white hair and get that brown hair. So that's what they they turn to brown in the spring and summer.
1: Okay, and this one here is kind of half and half white and brown, and it's got an all white fox, uh, all but ready to take care of it. Right. (laughs) Okay, and then we have a couple of these Steenbach Uh, Antelope, again I'm sure from Africa. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we've got the lions. You've got two uh, male lions that are pulling a sneak on a couple of antelope. One of them is looking back at the lions, and you've got a small bird, which is a black-bellied corhan, Uh, all kind of in in this scene again I, I love these scenes because you can come up on them you you, you see you know it, it looks like they're in the wild right and and you're actually watching things and and get the idea of size and stuff right oh argvark
0: <laughs> yeah he's is, fun
1: he's he's a pretty good sized critter right you know he's what the size of like a, a big dog
0: big dog medium dog yeah yeah but he's called um an earth pig as well as a nickname. Earth okay. pig. Um, but he's got a 12 inch long tongue and just like an anteater sticks it out, grabs a bunch of ants and termites from this termite mound. You can see here in the exhibit.
1: Okay. And, and then, then a the, couple
0: of antelope in there as well. So it's a nocturnal scene. That's
1: it is. What, it's dark. Yes. I didn't know if you forgot to turn the lights <laughs> on or. <laughs> and then we've got a Wolverine and those are pretty rare.
0: So these guys live up in the Arctic and Alaska as well, and um, they're the size of like a medium dog, but they're pretty ferocious. So they're brave enough to go steal food from wolves and bears. Really? Yeah. So they're not afraid. They they don't back down or anything.
1: They also have some in Wyoming and Montana and the and the northern states. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but they're from what I understand, seeing them is next to never.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: They're pretty elusive. Yes. And then we come to a fishing scene in Alaska where the Alaskan brown bears? Right. Okay, I'm, I'm doing all right here. <laughs> the Alaskan brown bears are eating salmon. Uh, they've got five different bears in here from a little tiny cub on up to a really nice sized bear. And uh, one of them has a salmon in its mouth and there's a, a fair sized cub and a really small cub fighting over a salmon in the corner over here and then again you have another uh, brown bear that is out where you can get right up next to it there's a salmon laying down at his feet and is this one one to touch or one to leave alone?
0: This one we leave alone just because of the barrier so but yeah but you can get right up close to him. Oh
1: yeah yeah you could stand face to face with him without any problem and see how big these things really are. Right. And then you've got a, a scene here on an ocean with a few seals. Sea otters. Sea otters. Okay. They're big, huh? They are. That, that's, I, I've seen otters before, but I didn't yeah. think they were nearly that big. I've seen them that are...
0: Like our river otters. Yeah, like
1: two foot long or right. something. But these things here are, are four foot long and, and really heavy bodied.
0: Yeah. I had never seen these ones before I started working here and I didn't realize how big they were.
1: Yes. And they have the softest fur.
0: Yes. I,
1: I've, I've been to some different places where they had otter fur. Oh, and it's cool. just unbelievably soft. Yeah. OK. And then we've got a turkey, wild turkey. And that's, he's all fanned out, has his big red gobbler on and right. blue head. <laughs> and then over here, we've got oh, we've got all kinds of critters in here. We've got a white deer.
0: Yeah, so that one is actually an albino deer. Right. Which you don't see very much in the, the wild because they stick out like a sore thumb. So they typically don't last that long in the wild. But that one is a full-sized
1: and that And it's a doe? Yes. And it's a mule deer?
0: Uh, it's a red deer, actually. A red Spain. deer? Yeah. Okay.
1: It was really hard to tell what <laughs> red the color and is.
0: white. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like that white rhino again.
1: And now is this a red deer that's next to it? Yes. Okay. Yes. I was gonna say the horns don't look like uh, horns of anything here in North America, really.
0: Yeah, that's kind of, kind of like a small elk. So yes,
1: yeah, it's, it's almost elk hornish, yeah. yeah. And then you've got a, a couple of big goats mm-hmm. and looks like a grouse, another grouse? Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my, my guesser's doing a little bit better here. <laughs> and these are all from Spain? Yes. Okay. That's interesting. And so there's a a Spain uh, background as far as painting. Yeah, I don't know that I've really ever seen any of these, but I like the white one, those red eyes. are. They did a good job with the taxidermy. They've done a fantastic job with the taxidermy on all of these. They all look very lifelike.
0: Yeah, they really have.
1: Okay, and then we come on over here and we've got a fox sneaking up on a few quail. And this is a North American scene. Right. We've got a red fox, a uh, mountain scene behind, and the fox is gonna get its quail. Okay, and then what are these?
0: So these are called spring hares.
1: Spring hares.
0: Which they kind of look like a cross between a kangaroo and a rat. And they are from Africa.
1: Okay, and they're about the size of a, of a rabbit, I guess, with a super long tail. Right.
0: And then in the corner there, you got a mongoose. Okay. Which is kind of hard to spot, but again, a nocturnal exhibit.
1: And now, these spring hairs, how, how far do they? They're kind of like a gerbil, maybe? Yeah. A, a, super-sized, a, super-sized a supersized gerbil? gerbil.
0: Yeah. <laughs> a rodent of unusual size.
1: And so they're <laughs> able to jump the spring pretty high and stuff?
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Wow, they're an interesting looking critter.
0: They are. And then you're back to the, your first one. Okay. So we can head out the other side and you've now seen animals from all over the world so our next couple rooms are dedicated to animals that live here in
1: Arizona. Oh okay, so Arizona specific. Arizona, I used to think of Arizona as being all desert and Arizona has so much uh, variety as far as you've got the mountains with with big trees, you've got uh, a lot of desert. You've got the Grand Canyon area. You guys have snow north. and, and uh, In fact, somebody was just telling me just outside of Tucson up on top of Mount Lemon, you've got snow up there.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's a great drive. If, have you done that drive? I have
1: not done that. That's on my list of things to do.
0: So you'll go through the different biomes, like all the different biomes we have in Arizona driving up to Mount Lemmon. Oh, so really? you go down from desert where we are, up to coniferous forest up there and you'll hit grasslands and scrub and all kinds of different things and there's a driving tour you can put on the radio okay as, or an app as you go up and it will explain the changes as really? you go up i think it's from the u of a
1: okay um, that made that app okay
0: so it's pretty interesting
1: yeah that, that's on my list of things to do because yeah. i've heard that that Everybody says, oh, yeah, you got to take a trip up Mount Lemon." Yeah. So Absolutely. we're going to do that. Okay, so now we're in the Arizona.
0: Yeah, so in this area, um, we kind of call this Touch the Desert because we have some skulls out here of a mountain lion, a javelina, and a coyote. We have some cactus pieces, um, a cross-section of a saguaro, so you can kind of see what the insides look like. Okay. They have a ribs on the inside as their skeleton, and then the rest... Uh, is like a fleshy, spongy material that okay. soaks up all the water. You'll see the outside is pleated, so that allows the cactus to expand to when it, so it can suck, suck up more up water. water. And then it will contract as the, the season gets drier and
1: everything. Now can you see that physically, mm-hmm. like if you have one in your yard? Yes. You can see the grooves the yeah. in it get narrower and, and wider.
0: Right, if you look at cactus wow. as you go around too, you can notice some are skinny, some are fat. So. Yeah. And then right next to it, this is called the saguaro boot. And this is what forms when a woodpecker pecks into the saguaro to make a nest. So it's kind of like a scab on the inside of the saguaro. So that's what the saguaro forms to protect itself and seal itself off from losing moisture from that hole. And then it makes a great nest for a bird to live in. And once the woodpeckers have moved out, owls will move in and use that same boot as a nest.
1: So it so it's really helping the wildlife mm-hmm. not hurt, and it doesn't necessarily hurt the saguaro. Right,
0: doesn't hurt the squirrel.
1: Cool, yeah, because I, yeah, I kept seeing all those great big holes in the sides yeah. of them, and I was going, dang, it looks like something's just tearing that thing apart.
0: I know, some have a lot of holes, huh?
1: And so this this gets fairly hard?
0: Oh, it's super hard. Oh, it so is super hard. Even after the saguaro dies and falls down and rots, that will still be there you can find Saguaro boots
1: but like squirrels and stuff move into it too
0: yeah they might live in there too once it falls down yeah
1: that is really cool they're an amazing plant they are you know nature's amazing it just we're looking at all these animals with their different defense mechanisms and stuff it just it's just mind-boggling
0: it is and then of course we have our rattlesnakes and our Gila monsters which are some of our venomous creatures that live here in our desert, and Arizona has the most species of rattlesnakes out of any state in the country. So we got 13 species that live here.
1: Okay. Yeah, we did a podcast at the Rattlesnake Museum in uh, New Mexico, Albuquerque, oh, New Mexico. Oh, cool. I didn't know you there was listen, a rattlesnake oh, museum. Oh, yeah, there's a rattlesnake museum, <laughs> <laughs> and Bob's one cool dude. <laughs>
0: that is cool.
1: <laughs> They've got...
0: Live uh, rattlesnakes? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah.
1: He's got... Uh, I think he's got a hundred different varieties of rattlesnakes. Oh I'd have to go back and listen to the podcast. There's a hundred or a hundred and twenty or seventy five or something, but uh, yeah, yeah, wow. they're all live and he knows all about them. It's, yeah. it's just fascinating. That is cool. So now we're nighttime in the desert. We walk into a tunnel and what are we looking at here
0: so we are in our sonoran desert a lot of our wildlife is nocturnal because it's so hot here during the summer nothing wants to come out during the day and look for food okay. so a lot of our wildlife comes out at night so we got a family of javelinas here and then another rattlesnake that they're kind of facing off with we got a coyote
1: and you let your eyes adjust you see a lot more right Right, because this has got kind of a blue uh, moonlight type atmosphere in here.
0: Right. So just all kinds of wildlife from the desert. Um, There's uh, one of
1: those big-eyed. What, what were they again?
0: This guy's actually a ringtail.
1: Oh, he's called well, Here a ring- I go Missing it again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's similar to that one, but yeah, this is actually the Arizona state mammal. Is the okay. ringtail? We got a fox here.
1: An owl taking, uh, getting about ready to pick up a mouse. Right.
0: A jackrabbit, the big ears, another coyote, and am pouncing on some quail. A mule deer,
1: an owl up in the tree. Right. And, and on, on this th- side, we've got raccoons and a skunk. Yep. Oh, I missed the mountain or the, the cougar.
0: Yep, the mountain line there. And then wow. the black bear, which can come down into the desert, they're mostly in higher elevations, but they have been known to come down once in a while.
1: Okay. And a bobcat? Yeah. This is really cool. Okay. And then we come into the cons- another conservation room.
0: Right, so this is kind of a timeline of conservation Um, that happened in the U.S. in North America. So it's a North American model of wildlife conservation is kind of the the model we follow here in the United States and kind of like I was saying earlier when people started coming over here there wasn't many laws regulating wildlife so as those started to progress and and pick up you know the National Park Service has created Forest Service in order to preserve lands Um, but they were starting to see species go extinct and started to do something about that thankfully but um i
1: guess the buffalo would be the classic example
0: right so that was almost extinct right yeah and then with the proper conservation methods they were able to repopulate areas with the buffalo bison so kind of a timeline through history on and it that. starts
1: at about uh, 1842 with the uh, Martin v. Waddell Supreme Court decision establishes that it is a government's responsibility to hold wild nature in trust for the benefit of all citizens, resulting in the public trust doctrine. And you're going all the way on up to 2019 with President <laughs> Trump signing a bill that protects over 2 million acres of land across the U.S., including designating 1.3 million new acres of wilderness. For national monuments and protecting hundreds of miles of rivers, so yeah, conservation such an important thing. And then you've got a display here, uh, another conservation deal where they're reintroducing sheep.
0: Mm-hmm. They reintroduced bighorn sheep into the Catalina Mountains here. Um, so they were once there and then died out. Uh, so a few years, well, more than a few years ago, probably like. 10 years ago, they started reintroducing them back into the wild, coming from other populations in different mountains around here.
1: Okay. And what sheep do you guys have here? Do you have the bighorn sheep? Yes,
0: desert bighorn.
1: The desert bighorn? Right. Okay. Yeah, and so these and guys. they consider a grand slam, the doll, which is in Alaska, the desert, which is here, the stone. Do you guys have the stone? We
0: do. Not in Arizona. Not
1: in Arizona. No. Okay. Where do the stone live?
0: Those are, I want to say like Wyoming? No, we Colorado. have the bighorn. He knows. B.C.? I'm like, ask him. Okay,
1: <laughs> B.C. And then, so we got the doll, the Stone, the Desert, and the Bighorn, which is the one that's, that's in Wyoming. The and, Rocky and, Mountain and, one? And, yeah, the yeah. Rocky Mountain Bighorns. And those are those are the kind of the coveted ones. And, and just as a conservation point, people, when they're applying for these Bighorn sheep licenses, They can go for $50,000, $100,000 paid to the Fish and Wildlife Commission to be able to conserve and to build these habitats and and these these herds. Mm -hmm. I know like the governor's license, the governor's allowed to give out one or two licenses a year in Wyoming and he auctions them off and they go for outrageous money. But there again, it goes back into the conservation efforts.
0: Right. So it's it's all funded by sportsmen and excise taxes on ammunition and fishing equipment, and all of that stuff goes back into paying for wildlife.
1: So yeah, it's it, it's an important point to make that that hunters and fishermen and stuff support a lot of this stuff just because of their of their uh, hobby or or what they enjoy doing, right. they are interested in the conservation point in order to bring it back.
0: Right. And more and more people are getting into it because it's really like the, the original organic meat. You know? right. More people are interested in eating organically with no hormones or antibiotics and really wanting to know where their food comes from.
1: Right. And your fish hatcheries and all of that are all are all funded with this in order to keep the fish in the rivers and stuff right and and the reason i bring that up is because we're looking at a fish display
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so kind of like you said earlier arizona has a lot of different types of habitats not just desert right so this section in the museum kind of walks you through those habitats so you start down at the desert and you walk through some wetlands and stream areas with waterfowl and amphibians and fish um and you got the sandhill cranes again Ducks. Several different
1: types of ducks. Beaver.
0: Beaver. And then on the opposite side, you have grasslands of Arizona. So you'll see some pronghorn and prairie dogs and ferrets. Quail, snakes. So all animals that live in the grassland habitat. And baby antelope. Yes.
1: They are really small.
0: They are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and another nice big buck antelope. Now the the American pronghorns, both the males and the females grow horns. Mm-hmm. And the way that you can identify the difference between the males and females if the males don't have big horns is the dark line that comes down their jawbone. Right. So if you're traveling out across Wyoming, Montana, Nevada, Arizona, and you see antelope, it's easy to tell which ones are the males by that black uh-huh. it's very definite black jawline. Yeah. And what in the world is this thing with its tail in the air? I've never this seen one of those. This is
0: called a mundi or a kuwati. I
1: That's why I've never heard of one.
0: <laughs> so they're related to raccoons, you can kind of tell. Right, they've got yeah. the striped tail. Yeah, but they're, they're pretty cool little creatures that live here in Arizona, and they'll live in big groups. Really? Uh, yeah. And what yeah. do they eat? Uh, they'll eat plant material and then little lizards and bugs and all kinds of stuff. So, so they're, they're omnivores. The okay. But I don't know if you've been to Colossal Cave area. Okay. So there's quadis that live around that area. And where is this in relation to Tucson? Uh, Vail, Arizona. So it's just southeast. Of here? Yeah, not far.
1: I may have to go see if I can find some of those. Yeah,
0: those are pretty cool. And then as you walk into this area, you'll walk into the forests of northern Arizona. So White Mountains and then Flagstaff. And these are some of the animals that live up in the forests wild okay. turkeys you got your wild
1: turkeys you got elk mm-hmm. I've heard that some of the the biggest trophy elk come out of Arizona yeah uh, yeah it, from what I understand it's a great place to hunt <clears throat> wow okay you've got a bear hibernating in his den
0: mm-hmm.
1: now yep. do bear hibernate in, in Arizona in where Arizona, it doesn't get cold I
0: don't think they hibernate much but okay. yeah he's just found a little hole to curl up in
1: okay and it's pretty neat because you see you see a bear den yeah all with, the, tree the bear roots coming through and, yeah and,
0: yeah and then you take a step back in time
1: we take a big step back <laughs> in time but this step is awesome it's like my favorite part of this museum <laughs> i tell lots of people about this place just because as we step in here you're hearing the woolly mammoth and they've got a full-mounted woolly mammoth. Tell t- where, where did you get this?
0: So these are actually replicas. Okay. Um, because we can't get real mammoth fur or giant deer fur, so they're. It actually, looks real. It does. It's actually horse hair. Okay. So these are true to size, though, and um, replicas of the woolly mammoth. The tusks were taken from or they're they're casts of actual tusks, and the antlers are casts of the the antlers you saw in the McElroy room. Okay,
1: now we got a full mounted woolly mammoth that is absolutely huge. I can't imagine being a, a caveman out there trying to kill one of these things with a spear. His tusks are probably eight to 10 foot long, And I'm sure when he starts moving those things around, there is a lot of power. Yeah. But he's a huge animal. And then just across the way, they've got one of those Irish elk that we were talking about, or what did you call it? A deer? Giant deer. Giant deer. And the horns are like moose horns, they come out the side of the head. Uh, for a span of that's got to be 15 feet, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, They're huge, and the paddles on it are probably four foot in width. With the tines coming out three, three, four feet, uh, the animal is the size, probably just about then again the size of a horse. Mm-hmm. If you if you added another <laughs> length on a horse, you'd have the body size of what this animal is I, and they show trees in the background I have no idea how this guy would get through a set of trees
0: right so he wouldn't have lived in a, a thick forested area oh heck no <laughs> he'd have been
1: stuck in a, in, in a thin forested area right. <laughs> but it, it, this is just an amazing display to see the size of what these animals would have been They're right. huge right and then I guess that pretty much takes us on through till we get into your cafeteria and your uh and your theater theater right and your gift shop
0: correct yeah yes. so in this last area oh. we do have the biggest jigsaw puzzle here the 42,000 piece
1: oh i thought the other one
0: that one was just a mini one compared to this one holy smokes <laughs> so that one was 36,500 this one's 42,000 pieces and this features monuments and animals from around the world
1: and you've got a lot of uh, like the eiffel tower and the the big jesus in uh, rio de janeiro and uh, mount rushmore hollywood different mountains just different scenes from all over the world along with a lot of different wildlife wow that's a and that, and that that's how long that one there's got to be this 25 one is, feet long yeah
0: 25 feet long
1: and again four foot wide and so how long did it take the last guy took five months to put that together how long did this guy take
0: this one was actually faster for him he took four it took him four months oh really he found this one to be easier because the last one had a lot of jungle and leaves in it so it looked a lot of the same color and then this one he said was easier so it only took him four months oh (laughs) that's doable (laughs) right
1: (laughs) and then you've got some other wildlife puzzles yeah the same guy do the same
0: guy he donated those to us as well so now
1: does he get these custom made
0: no you can actually find these online to buy you're joking no you just got to have a room big enough to do them in
1: and four months of nothing but doing the puzzle right and again you've got some full mounted animals in here that uh uh are touchables right You've got a bear, you've got, uh, help me again. Is <laughs> that a cheetah or a leopard? That one's a leopard. a leopard. Okay, and a warthog, <laughs> yeah. and a little <laughs> <animal>. <laughs> And then you've got another uh, elephant uh, head mount in here. You've got an elk full mount. You've got some peacocks. Yeah. And a giraffe neck mount. And you had a bunch of masks as we walked in, African masks.
0: Right, so that was just another collector that donated those to us.
1: Okay, and another little bird uh, uh, display.
0: We have a lot of our insects in this room, so if you remember coming maybe about 10 years ago. Seven to ten years ago. And they
1: were in the first room right, that we went into. Right. Yeah. So when I was we wondering ch- kind of what happened to them.
0: Yeah. We changed that out to Teddy Roosevelt. So we brought all them in here. Um, so we still have them. All the butterflies and the cool beetles. And
1: And we're talking big beetles. Some of these are would, would easily fit in the whole palm of your hand. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't want to close it.
0: And then we got a and, couple of live ones over here in these cases. And... This one is our giant desert hairy scorpion, so We have this little flashlight that you can use Oh, because he's hard to spot if you don't have that.
1: So they've got a little fluorescent green light, kind of like a black light that makes a scorpion glow bright green. Wow.
0: And then we got a tarantula who is I'm pretty sure is burrowed right now because I haven't seen her in a while. And then we got some Madagascar hissing cockroaches over here.
1: Oh, really? And a nice little butterfly display. Now, if I remember right, when I was here last time, uh, there was something talking about beetles, and there was a phenomenal amount of beetles.
0: So it might have just been all these cases put together.
1: No, it it seemed to me that there are more species of beetles, over 300,000, than species of any other living group of things. They inhabit every terrestrial habitat. There are more species of beetles than species of plants, including algae and fungi. That was a mind blower to me. 300,000 different types of beetles.
0: Yeah, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. And the only ones I thought of were the ones that sang. (laughs) (laughs) Just joking. Okay, yeah. This is just phenomenal. So this pretty much winds up our, our tour. Yeah and i so appreciate you amy for going through this with us talking to us about the different animals and sharing some of what this museum has to offer i don't know how many people i've told that if they're ever in the tucson area they need to come here i'm going to reiterate that you need to come see the wildlife museum it is unbelievable and up close personal and you get to see what these animals are actually like and you get to help conservation in the process. Right. Because you guys are, are part of the Safari Club International, which means that some of the revenue from here donates back.
0: So we're kind of a little bit separate for them. So all our revenue goes into our education programs here at okay. the museum and our exhibits.
1: Okay. Yes. Which again is helping with conservation.
0: Right. Bringing out that next generation.
1: Okay. And they're not really hard to find. They're, uh, they're on the west side of Tucson. If you type it into your uh, Google Maps or or whatever your map uh, app is, it'll bring you right here. You guys are open?
0: We're open Thursday through Sunday. Okay. Yep. 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And yeah, so we're not hard to find. It's a big castle in the desert. And the
1: prices are are really reasonable. And if you're Mm -hmm. on your way to Saguaro National Park on the west side, I guess there's one on the east side too that I wasn't aware of till this morning. Uh, but if you're going to the one on the west side, which is a beautiful park also, you're right there on the road uh, to there uh, coming from Tucson into Saguaro, right, or coming to Su- uh, Tucson from Saguaro, depending on which way you're coming in. <laughs> uh, and the prices here are reasonable. You've got a website. Do you have mm-hmm. do you have stuff on YouTube and that also? We do
0: have some videos on YouTube. Yep. Okay. Um, we have our website, our Facebook page so, you can Which see is? Uh, the wildlife museum.org. Okay. And then Facebook, you can just search Wildlife Museum. Okay. Um, and so you can see photos of the exhibits on there. And we do all kinds of education programs. We go to schools, we have field trips come to us, uh, group tours, uh, classes, camps for kids. So, all kinds of different stuff going on.
1: That is so cool. Yeah. And again, I so appreciate your time and taking it with us. And I always say at the end of my podcast that the world is full of wonder. If you want to see how wonderful this world is, you need to get out and explore this place because the world is right here in front of you with all of its wonders and, and wildlife and everything else. And have an absolutely wonder filled day.
0: All the rolling go, where am I to go? Meet Johnny, where am I to go? for i'm a young and a sailor lad and where am i to go